Turn in your Bible app or your Bible to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I do want to take a few minutes today and talk about facing your Goliath. Over the centuries, numerous battles have been fought near the cities of Hebron, Bethlehem and Jerusalem in the Judean highlands. But the most storied valley is the Ella. This narrative is about what happens when ordinary people like us confront our giants. I'm not talking about Marvel superheroes, but normal, everyday people like us. We need to learn how to face our own giants. Now, theologians have written many things about 1 Samuel chapter 17. They say that Goliath was possibly nine foot, nine inches tall and 600 pounds. I'd have loved to have had him as an offensive tackle, amen? I would have loved to have run behind a guy like that. Uh, other commentaries say that he possibly was seven foot, 10 inches tall. So think about Shaquille O'Neal on steroids. That's sort of what Goliath looked like, but add about two feet to Shaquille O'Neal. The tallest NBA player ever was a Libyan named Suleiman Ali. He was eight foot tall. And then the Guinness World Record for the height of a human being since they started keeping records was a man by the name of Robert Wadlow, who was eight foot 11 inches tall. So regardless of the metrics or the specifics of how tall and what Goliath weighed, he was a big boy. And I remember playing ball many years ago that there were times when I had to line up against guys that were bigger, that were stronger, and they were faster. But I didn't quit, and neither should you. Some of us in this room are facing giants that are bigger and stronger and faster than us. And we have a decision to make. Will we face this giant and deal with it, or will we run and cower away? So our story a summation, if you will, when Goliath shouted out to the Israelites, he was asking for what was known as single combat. This was a common practice in the ancient world where two sides in a conflict would seek to avoid the bloodshed of open battle by choosing one warrior to represent each in a duel. So that's what Goliath expected. He was a warrior, and like himself, he wanted a warrior from the Israelites to come forward for hand-to-hand -hand combat. Then young David walked onto the scene. So I want to give you three things to think about for the next 25 minutes or so as we navigate through 1 Samuel 17. God used Goliath to strategically place David near the throne. Now, if you know your Bible history, David eventually became king after King Saul. So in God's will, your giants do not destroy you, they position you. And whether we're on a football team like these young men or maybe you're in a business or you've got something else going on in your life right now, giants are allowed to happen in our lives to strategically position us, to be in the right place at the right time so that God can use us. That's exactly what he did with young David. Secondly, Max Licato wrote, focus on giants, you stumble. But if we focus on God, your giants will tumble. And some of us today are spending more time looking at our giants rather than looking at God. 
And because there's this disproportionate way of looking at our problems instead of looking at God, you're always going to have problems. You're always going to have giants in your life. And then thirdly, sometimes God will put a Goliath in your life for you to find the David in you. Because without adversity, you'll never know what you're made of. You'll never know if you have the courage when it really counts. Oh, it's easy to praise God when your screen works. It's easy to praise God when everything's going your way. When there's nothing but wins on the scoreboard and and you're outscoring your opponent. Anybody can praise God at that moment, but are you going to praise God regardless of what's going on? Even when you put a couple of losses under your belt or or maybe you get beat on a few plays in a row. Are you just going to quit and tuck your tail and go home? Absolutely not. God allows Goliaths in our lives so that we can find the David who is inside of us. Now, if you look in your Bibles or on your Bible app on your phone or your Kindle or whatever, 1 Samuel 17, it says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. They were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Ezekah in Ephes Demean. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. When I was in Israel in 2019, I got to walk through the Valley of Elah. And there were certain places where these jagged rocks would come out from these mountainsides. And one of them historically is the place where maybe David and Goliath stood some 3,000 years ago. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, who was six cubits and a span. So the first thing I want us to think about, there are moments... And for these young men, come Friday nights about 7 o'clock, the battle lines are drawn. You've warmed up. You've gone through your exercises. You've had uh, rough weeks of practice and two-a-days, and now you're ready. And finally, the battle lines are drawn. But for some of us in this room, it goes way beyond a Friday night light. What it does is it goes to my marriage, or it goes to a financial crunch that I'm in. The battle lines are drawn. Look at verse 5. So he had a helmet of bronze on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had bronze armor on his legs, a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield bearer went before him. It means that this very big champion of Gath named Goliath, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, he had all the armor that he needed. Just like some of our warriors that battle on Friday nights and on Saturdays and on Sunday afternoons, they, they've got all the pads on. They've, they've got the face mask. They've got the, the darkened screen on their mask. They, I mean, they've got everything that they need in order to do battle. Sometimes your Goliath can be intimidating. And I can remember being on our side of the field at Kenimer Field over at West Limestone many years ago, and, and I would look over at the opponent's side, and they looked bigger, and they looked faster, and I went, Okay, it's going to be a long night. Yes, sometimes your Goliath can be intimidating, but praise God, you still got to play the game because you never know what happens when that first hit, and you never know what happens when maybe your, your X's and O's are better than their X's and O's. You never know, but Goliaths can be intimidating. And maybe today, some of you that are here, some of you that are watching from home, uh, your giant has intimidated you, and you don't know what to do next. You're sort of flustered right now. You're you're frustrated. You don't know what to do. Look at verse 8. 
So he stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. So instead of thousands of bodies laying on the battlefield, one champion from each side, the Philistines and the Israelites, would come out to battle. And whoever won that battle, all of those other individuals in that army would become the servants of those who had won. So that was sort of the format that the Philistine wanted. And then it says in verse 10, And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. A little bit of trash talk was going on. Goliath was goading them just a little bit. I defy you. It's it's almost as if you're you're standing on about the 45-yard line and then the other team is on about their 45-yard line and you're jawing at each other. You're telling them that they're no good, that they're no count. That's exactly what the Philistine was doing to the Israelites. Because eventually your Goliath's going to call you out. If you don't deal with him, if you don't overcome this giant in your life, there's going to come a moment, there's going to come a time, there's going to come a day where he calls you out. Look at verse 11. So when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, wow, this is something that I'm walking through right now. I've got a Goliath. I've got a giant in my life. Because sometimes your Goliath is unemployment. You can't find the job. You can't provide for your family. You don't know where your next payment for your house or your car is going to come from. Maybe you went to the doctor recently and you've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Maybe you've been abandoned. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe some kind of tragedy in your past still is tethered to you to this day. Maybe you've been rejected in a relationship. Maybe you walk in here today and you've got some kind of addiction that's been passed from generation to generation to generation. Maybe your past is filled with failures. And everything I've ever done or put my hand to the plow to do has blown up in my face. I'm discouraged today. I'm angry today. All of these can be giants in our lives that we must be willing to deal with. Because let me tell you, if you don't deal with it, can you hear your Goliath shouting, you're not qualified for that job. You you, you can't play that position. You can't be CEO. You can't start a business on your own. You can't pay your bills. You can't save your marriage. You can't shake all your past failures. In fact, you're nothing but a loser. Your life is a mistake. That's what Goliath shouted us over and over again. And over again. Look at verse 21. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage. Now, David is a a teenager, probably about your age. And his father Jesse has given him some cheese and some wine to take to the brothers who were on the front lines. Families took care of their soldier boys. So, The youngest son, David, has been sent to the front lines, and that's where we get this. And he gave and left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. You know, bullies usually are only bullies until somebody calls them out. 
until someone stands up and says, you know what? Shut up. Enough is enough. And that's the indication that we have in the language of Scripture. This time, David heard him. Before, when he was taunting the armies of Israel, David didn't hear him. Why? He wasn't even there. But now he's arrived on campus. He's among the ranks of the military, and now he hears him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. So here I am, a young guy. I'm a private or a corporal or a sergeant in the military, and and here's a huge champion of Gath, Goliath, standing there. I would be shaking in my boots as well, because sometimes your Goliath can produce fear. You just think, there's no way I can win. There's no way I can be victorious. There's no way that I can overcome. And that's what the men of Israel felt at that moment. Verse 25. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And then David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now here's what the king had done. Saul was not only the king, he was also the general of the army. So he said that any man who would go out there and face Goliath, because the king is basically saying, I'm not going to do it. But if somebody else will do it, They'll never have to pay taxes again. I'll make them rich and they can marry my daughter. And David says, sign me up. I'm just a teenage boy. I'd love to not ever have to pay taxes. I would love to have this dowry and I'd love to marry the king's daughter. This is a pretty good deal. And all I got to do is punch this guy in the mouth. If that's all I've got to do, sign me up. But you'll notice there's something missing in the language of Scripture here. David asked nothing about Goliath's skill, his age, the weight of the spear, the size of the shield. However, David does something that you and I can take a lesson from that's been around for 3,000 years. He gives much thought to God. He focuses on what he needs to focus on. See, some of us have issues today because all of our focus is on our problem. We have forgotten to focus on God. We have forgotten to focus on the cross or an empty grave. And all we are is about our problems and about our Goliaths and about our giants. But not David. David had a different mindset. And maybe for some of us today who have similar issues like the men of Israel here, we need to learn how to make depending on God a lifestyle. It's not just something we do on Friday night when we're playing a football game. It's something we do every day in the classroom. It's something we do every day at our job. It's something we do every night when we're gathered with our family. That we make depending on God a lifestyle. For some of us, you need to change your way of thinking. And you've heard me say it from this pulpit before. Some of us have nothing but stinking thinking. Everything's negative. If you had won that $1.2 billion on the lottery recently... All you would have done is complained about the taxes you had to pay and you'd forgotten about the 500 million you could put in your pocket. And I've been around people that they're negative about everything. Let me just tell you something. I don't stick around them long. I don't want that stuff to get off on me. I don't want that bad attitude and that stinking thinking to be a part of my life. You've got to learn how to change your way of thinking. Look at verse 27. 
And the people answered him in the same way, so it shall be done to the man who kills him. So here's our lesson. If you're willing today to face down your Goliath and to slay him, whatever it may be, there will be blessings that come. There will be peace of mind. You can lay your head on your pillow at night and rest because you have finally dealt with something that maybe generations past were unwilling to deal with. Look at verse 28. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. So now we're going to see a little bit of sibling rivalry. We're going to see an older brother not liking that the younger brother is running his mouth. It's like that that big brother going, shh, you don't need to be here. You're you're messing with me and my friends. We're, We're trying to have a good time. And here you are showing up. And then David says, well, what have I done now? And those of you that are younger siblings, and when your older brother or your older sister tries to be domineering on you, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him as again before. And one of the things that we need to learn today is that some of the people who are closest to you, maybe even sometimes your family, your Goliath will be strengthened by them, meaning They'll tell you, you can't succeed. You can't overcome this particular giant in your life. You got folks who are naysayers and negative nannies who keep telling you, you can't. I like to be around people who say you can. You can be an overcomer. You can be more than a conqueror. You can be successful. You can do this for Jesus. Because so many of us are dealing with a negative world, maybe a negative family member, someone who keeps holding us down. Sometimes it's nothing but raw jealousy. And I think for Eliab, who is an older brother of David, he knew that David had inside of him to go face the Goliath, but Eliab didn't have it in him. And sometimes that older sibling, who maybe has not achieved everything that he or she wanted to achieve, and now the younger ones begin to do it. So instead of being their biggest cheerleader and helping them succeed, they begin to be negative and tell them what they cannot do. Look at verse 31. So when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go out against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. He's saying, you can't put that ninth grader in. He's never played on Friday night before. He can't do it. And then all of a sudden you pitch the ball to him and he goes 90 yards. He says, well, boy, ain't I a good coach. Wow, I saw the talent in that kid. But see, David is letting the king know, I'll handle this issue. All you have to do is give me a chance. And sometimes that's what some of us are waiting for, is for somebody to believe in us and give us the opportunity. Because most of the time, Goliath will try to exploit your inexperience. You don't have the academic credentials. You haven't put the practice time in. You can't do this and you can't do that. And I've been one of those my whole journey. I loved it when people said I couldn't. Or people tell you that you can't. And then you say, well, just sit right here and I'll show you. I'll show you what can be done with somebody that may not have all the credentials and the impressive resume, but there's a whole lot of want to here. David had a whole lot of want to. And sometimes that's all that's required. Look at verse 36. 
David says of himself, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And I think we see in Scripture that there was a change of mind of the king Saul. He says, and Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. See, David was a shepherd boy. He, he didn't go to Navy SEAL training. He wasn't a commando. He was not a ranger. He was not a part of Marine Recon. No, he was a shepherd boy, but he had whooped a lion and he had defeated a bear. And in his mind, he says, because I've done that, God has prepared me to face this Goliath. And see, the reason why some of you can face whatever you're facing is because God has prepared you in the past. You've had some moments where you overcame. You've had some moments where God answered your prayer. And you don't think for a moment that he won't answer the prayer you've got now? Where does that lack of faith come from? It comes because we get paranoid and we think, well, God don't love me anymore. Or he would have done this for me. He would have done that for me. No, we see something incredible here of a young man who says, no, I may not be a soldier. I may not have military experience, but God is with me and I will be victorious. Look at verse 38. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Years ago, I walked on at the University of North Alabama and tried to play football. But because I was late to the game, all of the good equipment had already gone out the door. I got some of the leftovers. The first helmet they gave me, I put it on my head and I could just take it and swivel it and I would look out the ear hole. And I knew if I got out on the practice field and I got hit, I was going to get hurt. So I remember coming back home and telling mom and dad, I, I got to have a helmet. So my mother took me over to Lang Sporting Goods in Decatur, Alabama, and we bought me a helmet that I used for all the spring practice at UNA that year. You got to have the right equipment. You can't try to wear somebody else's. And we see in this story, then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these. I can't wear your armor, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. And I'm sure all these professional soldiers were going, he's dead meat. David is never going to survive this encounter with Goliath. Why? He don't have any armor on. He's just a shepherd boy. Verse 40. Then David took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the, from the creek, from the brook, and he put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. He was but a young man, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. See, that's what bullies do. They try to intimidate us not only by their size and their speed and their strength, but also by their words. So Goliath was trying to tell David, you're not even worthy to be on the field of battle with me. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Goliath loved to taunt you. I played ball long enough, but praise God, it's been a, many years ago since I have that I can't remember a lot of the things that were said on the field. 
things that happen in the bottom of a pile. But you young men are living it right now. You understand. Some of you that played high school ball and college ball, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of taunting that goes on. There's a lot of belittling that says, listen, I owned you that play. I'm going to own you the rest of the night. I mean, this trash talk that goes back and forth. But notice the response of David, verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. Now those are big words for a little boy. David's just a little shepherd boy. He's looking up at this nine-foot, nine-inch tall, 600-pound offensive lineman. He's telling him, I'm going to own you. Now listen, I don't think he's being cocky, but I think he's being confident. And anytime you go against your Goliath, anytime you go up against your giant, you better have some confidence about you. You better believe that you can be victorious. You better believe that you can overcome because if you don't, if you don't believe in you, nobody else is going to believe in you. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly, he's talking about his fellow soldiers, he's talking about the Israelite army, that this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Now I don't know who this is for, but I want you to hear me out. Before you can kill Goliath, you must face Goliath. You can't try to flank him. You can't try to go around him. There must become a moment in your life where you go face to face. And that's exactly what David did. And it's our example this morning. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. A commercial came out a few years ago for the Marine Corps. And it shows these these infantrymen, and they are going into battle, and they're running to the sound of the battle. They're not running away from it. They are running to the battle. That's exactly what David does. He doesn't try to shirk his responsibility. He doesn't try to say, who is with me? He says, I'm going to the sound of the battle. But previously, the armies of Israel had ran from Goliath. David now runs toward Goliath. So what does he do? He goes on the offense. He didn't sit back on his heels and wait for Goliath to come to him. No, the momentum would have overwhelmed him. No, he took the battle to him. You and I have to learn how to take our battles to our Goliath. We have to be aggressive. We have to know what we're doing. We have to have a battle plan. But understand that your battle plan usually changes after you get busted in the mouth. Then you've got to be able to call an audible. You've got to be able to be uh, quick on your feet and flexible. And David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it. And he struck the Philistine on his forehead. Everybody just feel right here on your forehead. Now most of us who are normal, it's just one bone right there that is a sheath over the front part of your brain. But they've done archaeological digs along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea where Gath and Eshkelon and Ashdod and some of these other cities where the Philistines came from and there was always a soft piece of tissue right there in front of that frontal lobe. David knew the weakness of his Goliath. 
So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and he struck the Philistine and he killed him. Yet there was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword, took Goliath's sword, drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Oh, they were big and bad standing behind Goliath. They probably talking and, you know, talking trash and saying, hey, yeah, come on over here. And they standing behind their big boy. But what happens when Goliath falls? The cowards run and they scatter. And if you're dealing with a bully in your life right now, either online or face to face, more than likely when you finally deal with them, the coward will run away. They'll try to use intimidation. They'll try to use things to try to get you to do things or say things or be things that you aren't. And that's exactly what Goliath had tried to do to the armies of Israel. But one man, a young boy named David, decided, I'm going to do it right. Because I'm going to do it in the strength of the Lord. So this is what I want you to do as I close. Who or what is your Goliath? What's holding you back? Has there been something that happened in your past as a, as a student athlete or as a businessman or a businesswoman? Has something happened somewhere in your past and you just can't seem to move forward anymore? Instead of learning from it and making the necessary changes and tweaks to move forward, you've decided to live in your pity and your past. There comes a moment where we have to face down Goliath. We've got to pray him out. Because for every Goliath, there is a stone. We've got to learn how to face them. But praise God, like David, we don't have to face our Goliath alone. In football, we call them teammates. The man to the right and the man to the left of us that we go to battle with on any given day, but especially on Friday nights. For us who are past that season of a life now it's our spouse it's our kids we go shoulder to shoulder with them and we overcome any goliath or any giant that we fight against in our families so as i was pulling this message together based on something i'd preached uh, several years ago psalm 20 and 7 came to mind some trust in chariots and horses but we trust in the name of the lord our god because I have learned that man's ability is not always going to get you through. Your ability will not always get you through. That's why the body of Christ needs each other, and that's why a team needs each other. You've got to be willing to have each other's back. In military terms, you've got to have each other's six. You've got to be willing that at any given moment, I will stand firm with them. Right or wrong, they're my team. And you are my teammates. And if you go into a season or you go into your part of life that way, you can handle anything. When your valley of Ella comes, you're prepared. Because you are now filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God. And you can handle anything that the devil throws at you.